This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man for whom this podcast is named. It's Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, welcome. How are you, man? Tyler, I'm doing good. Um, had a couple of little internet uh snafus this morning i guess spectrum cable is out doing their thing and maybe unplugged the crumpton wire i don't know but anyway we're back up looking forward to a good good uh conversation this morning we've got a a guest who i've uh, recently become um friends with and and kind of really enjoying what he's doing so i thought man what a what a great guy to have on so it should be fun I love it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited to welcome him on the show as well. We were talking just a second ago and, uh, you know, got to know him a little bit better. So I'm excited for uh, for what the rest of this episode holds. We are joined today by Corey Howell. He uh, is the, uh, Corey, would you say you're the owner of Howell Heating and Cooling? Is that accurate? I would say participating member in life in the heating and in, heating and air industry. <laughs> Well, that's a good way to get going right there. I like that. Uh, a willing participant. We, we need more of those. So. Well, Corey, thanks for taking time with us today. Uh, you know, you and I have talked off and on over the last, I guess, three months or so about HVAC, about skilled trades, uh, people, um, growth opportunities, and a bevy of other things. So why don't you uh, kick us off and tell us a little bit about Howell and uh, how you came to be the founder and owner and managing member and what you, what the heck are you doing, man? Tell us. <laughs> uh, so it all started in Oxnard, California. I was sitting inside a classroom. Um, I had asked for time off for this three-day training with Mitsubishi. Uh, my boss texted me and said, your PTO wasn't approved. I went outside. He said, hey, you need to be back at work tomorrow. And if you're not, you're going to get a write-up. <clears throat> In that moment, I knew I was done. And that's when I really just started taking on more work. I was already a licensed contractor, but I had it really good at where I or had it good where I was at. Full benefits, Guaranteed 40 hours a week, brand new work van, all the tools, um, safety meetings via Zoom, remote work. I had it plush, but right there, that's when I decided to go out on my own. And then I obtained a contract with a customer, and I thought it was going to be me and one other guy riding around in a van. And maybe two weeks of that, then all of a sudden we started getting bombarded with work from Southern San Diego all the way up to, I want to say, Bakersfield and Fresno. And that's when I knew I had to kind of start scaling up. Wow. First of all, um, <laughs> I guess is a good way to say that. Um, it, it's funny that you you mentioned that the the camel uh, breaking, what do you call it? The, the straw that broke the camel's back moment. Um, I was talking to a, a couple of guys at work this morning about, uh, why people leave jobs, especially skilled people. And one one or two of the things that you put into your, your statement right then were on our list. Of, and actually, it was an article that was in ACHR News this week, and uh, we were talking about it. And 
you nailed it, man, right there. So you, I mean, this is a, a, a fairly fresh proof of the pudding of why people leave work and it had nothing to do with the work. It had to do with your growth and your opportunities. So um, anyway, didn't mean to cut you off, but I just thought that was really uh, germane to the conversation this morning. And then bam, you bring it up. So keep, keep rolling, man. We want to hear more. So I actually have the text message saved on my phone as a memento every time it gets hard. And it was at 2.05 p.m. that this happened. And I every time it gets hard in the industry, something goes wrong. And I think back and I go, what am I doing? You know, because it gets hard. I'm the only operating owner. I have an office staff. I have six employees. But I've never done this before. I've never ran a business before. And so those mementos are what keeps me going. That straw that broke the camel back, that knowing that my job was in jeopardy because I wanted to learn and better myself. And it's so meaningful, Tyler, did you catch it? 2.05, not 2 o'clock. I mean, that's that's some kind of obsessiveness like I I like right there, you know. That's right. It's Greg Crumpton level detail. That's, that's psycho detail, Corey. But um, – no, I think that that's really, uh, it says a lot. I mean, which is what you and I have talked about, you know, being an owner, an operator, being a technician that had the dream of it because you knew you could do it differently or better or whatever you felt, you know, that's a small population of the people. Um, and when you're uh, afflicted with that condition called entrepreneurialism, um, it's hard uh, while you're in that that startup growth mode, as you and I have talked about. But we keep doing it to ourselves as well. You know, I know you've got several things on your plate that uh, continue to to engage you. And, you know, it's like most people go through a hard time in their career or through their in their job. And then they kind of learn the job and then they can start coasting. Well, well, psychotic people like entrepreneurs, and I can say that because I are one, we, once we get, you know, like everything going and it's rolling easily, then we jump off the dang bridge again and start over. It's not like you can enjoy the fruit of your labor. You got to go do it again. So I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the sentiments around the difficulty in the 205, you know, we all have a 205, uh, I remember my 205. It happened early in the morning, but it was a 205. Anyway, all right, six people. You know, that's roughly 12,000 productive hours of work a year. How do you think about expanding? What do those 12,000 hours look like in a year? Are they 24,000 where you've doubled in size? How do, you, how do you think about growing? And as you and I talked last week, we're going into a really weird, unknown time as far as the economy goes, mm-hmm. which oddly enough is when I started the business, like right before 9-11. Um, but how do you think about growth and, and what are your uh, what are your thoughts about, you know, jumping off right now during this, you know, weird time, uh, whatever you want to call it economically. Uh, So I was on LinkedIn 
and this is just to go back to uh, your question, Greg, was I was on LinkedIn and somebody that sells businesses and is involved in like loans or whatever was talking about how last week the most arms, like they're called an arm loan, mm-hmm. has been taken out was last week since 2008. I saw and that. that too. Yeah, yeah. And it hit me in the gut and I go, oh shit, am I doing it right? Am I, is it my ego? Is it my, uh, puff my chest out? Am I this guy? You know, is that's what driving me or is it my market? Is my market driving me to grow and expand? And is it unhealthy growth? You know, you get a couple customers in a row that say, Hey, I want the Cadillac deal. I want everything done, blah, 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 blah. That would make me nervous. You know, but we're in the service industry and I'm still doing maintenances because we have put ourselves in a position where we've taken that strain off of our customers to do the maintenances. So it allows their people to be freed up to do their actual job. So that makes me feel comfortable because that's needed. Mm -hmm. Right. So my growth going into the future is going to be. It's going to go back to more maintenance and service instead of brand new system installs. The customers are going to be like, what is it going to take to get this up and running? And that's what proved uh, during the last economic hurdle we had, you know, was uh, the new replacement work, new and replacement work tended to die off. But the service maintenance repair piece has to go forward. You know, I'm looking at that building Tyler's in in the background and those windows back by that checkerboard i can't tell what that is but those windows don't open so you can't have an office full of people and not do air conditioning repair yep um so that is one one uh very bright spot of of what we're doing there are some days it's a good thing those windows don't open because i might just go you know flying (laughs) out one of them go bail out yeah yeah yeah. so you know well Corey, so I, I, I get that and I appreciate that. Um, you met, When you were telling us what your title was, I noticed you didn't say anything about uh, any kind of grandiose title. Um, and I know from talking with you and, and, and the core of this podcast is people. And you were building a company of and for the people, um, which is a topic I really want to jump in. So tell us about that. Why did you, or, or, or what led you down the road to, to building a company that is people centric and not just profit centric, although you have to have both, but yeah. why one over the other? I'm very blessed to travel a lot. I stay in a lot of Hiltons and I meet maintenance people. I meet other HVAC people. I meet plumbers, pipe fitters. And I got to over the years build this company in my head that I've always wanted, which was like that people driven, you know, people feel safe. They get to come to a work or or come to a place of work where they feel challenged, where they're respected, where they're noticed for their positive things that they do. Uh, worst part for me was getting that review at the end of the year, you know, the end of the year, they'd sit me down and go, you did really good on this, this and this, but you screwed up on this, this and that. I'm like, why didn't you just correct me in March when you said you saw it happening and let me grow and be better. And I, I was instructed to read traction. It's a really good book that I liked. And 
Uh, it's by David. Uh, I tried to write all this stuff down before we got here, but Gino Gino Wickman. Yeah, the, the EOS the, system. Yeah. Yeah. And it talks about you know productivity and all these things. And I would just sit there and go, okay, why don't I like working here? And then I'd file a mental note. And so that's what I've kind of been structuring my business for is how to make, not make, but how to help my employees be the best that they can so they can be the best for my customer, right? Because at the end of the day, they're really our customers. I'm not going face-to-face really with any of them anymore. Only time I get called is when something's on fire or blew up. Yeah, never never a good call either way on that. Yeah, but, no. you know, you're, you're right, though, uh, in, in our I think you're right anyway in how you think about your business. You know, Steve Jobs had this quote that we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people and let them tell us what to do. And if you think about it, it's so novel of an idea that you would think that would just be logical for everybody, but it's not. And We've all worked in environments that sucked, you know, whether it be a part-time job or whatever. I used to shovel manure at a horse stable and nobody there was concerned about my growth and opportunities, I'll tell you. But if you really concentrate and you build your company based on what you want the company to look like in the end, or at least as far as you can have vision right now, which is, you know, we used to do this 20 year plan. Well, hell, you're lucky to get 20 months of a plan right now before some worldwide pandemic might stroll through and change your plan. So yep. um, I, I like the, I like the way that you have laid out, you know, your, your structure for lack of a better word of where you're trying to get to. So, Thinking about the people, your your six folks, how did they feel and what are they telling you about working with you and working at Howell versus, you know, the other opportunities they've had? Are, are they are they digging it? They well, granted, whatever they tell me is probably churched up. Right. But um, the overwhelming theory that I get from everybody, my part house people, everybody else that they talk to, they really enjoy it. Um, I have a few guys that came out of trade school and they don't know no better, right? They don't know what it's like working for an AC company when you got 12 calls on the board. They expect you to get eight done and run the other two first thing in the morning plus do the other 12 calls on the board. And then I have a few guys that have worked for other HVAC companies, you know, the trials and tribulations with working with the guys is trying to seat the right person in the right place. You know, some guys work better together. Like I consider it, I have a thinker and I have a slammer. My slammer guy is the one that just wants to uh, force it up, pick it up, throw it in where the thinker is going back. And he's like, all right, if this is 36 inches, is this 48? If I tilt it at this, I can be able to slide it in there with minimal effort. So I'm trying to pair my guys up and find that proper mesh so each one complements one another. Um, That two that come to mind right now are Thomas and Ernesto. And they are in, where are they in? I think they're in San Francisco right now working. And I called them last night before I went to bed because I make sure everybody gets home safe. That's like one of my things. I just like to make sure, especially when you're, you know, away from home, I want to hear you got home safe. 
and I call them and they're playing music in the background and they're cooking because I get them the homewood sweets. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, we're cooking carne asada and uh, some pollo asada. And they're having fun. Their music is going. Everything's just having a blast. And that's what I like to see is the guys learning and growing together and being successful together that make each other grow. Yeah. I would imagine that's an important aspect of this to to you because of how you started the company, right? Is that you started with the goal of providing um, from your own experience, wanting opportunities for people to grow. And so sometimes that growth isn't always professional. It can also be personal and with one another and, and growing those relationships, I think is an important aspect of that as well. Definitely. So Corey, as you build these relationships and your, your company is coming, you know, kind of like blossoming right in front of your eyes, how do you perpetuate that? And how do you encourage or instill that culture into your employees so that they start attracting more and more of like-minded people to join you? Have you thought about that and how, how, you know, your best salespeople are your employees. So how, how do you work that and how do you make sure you're getting that message to your folks? Great question, Greg. Um, <laughs> you know, I've invested in them and they see that. I'm probably one of the only people that has invested in them and maybe not their whole life, but recently, like I bought all their tools, you know, their hand tools, everything. But what they have become the cheerleader of the company for is I care. And I had a guy come over from another company. He was making substantially more, but I have a policy. If you're a new guy, you come in, you come in at 18 bucks and you work your way up. You get to ride along with somebody for three months to learn our culture and our way. And we have a group chat. It's called HVAC gods. And we continuously communicate throughout the day. And, you know, I'm always on there with them posting, you know, cool Aeon stuff, cool Mitsubishi stuff. And then they're chiming in on what they're working on and other guys are chiming in. So that camaraderie, you know, we work in groups. I try not to have every, like, I very rarely have one guy work alone. They're always in twos. And so they get to build that together. You know, they build that together and it really attracts people. Um, our workload isn't too crazy. You know, we work a lot, but it's structured. You know, we have plans in place and the workload on the books, you know, is manageable and they like that. And I think that's what brings people in. So how do you, how do you, when, when that super tech walks up one day, who's making 38 bucks an hour and you want him, he's not going to come to work at 18. No. Cause he doesn't have to. No. And how do, how do you, and, and this is not a question to be answered. It's a question for me to think about as, as I watch your business grow and what have you, but how do you still uh, instill that culture when you start bringing in more seasoned and more costly, you know, folks, because I mean, I, I'm, I'm in that world every day. I hear it and I see it. Yep. Um, so something that that's more of a sophomore problem, probably, you know, to, to start working through. But um, so Tyler, I, my, as you can tell, we have stuff going on at the house today, you know, as, as normal. So I, I apologize to everybody for all the, uh, 
the fun and background noise because uh, that's what we do here. You know, it's it's, it's part of the fabric of the podcast, Greg. What, what could know? be to, what could be Tuesday morning without hoopla? So, McCory, I, I'm uh, I love to to look at the company that you're building and think it through. And I think about it in a way when I built my company and some of the foundational, you know, uh, pillars that we built the company on, um, I've, I've got them published and I read them frequently. And when I talk to you, I hear you and then I read mine. And, and there's a lot of like-mindedness in, in what you're building and what I built 25 years ago. Um, the hard part, as you know, is keeping that tight knitness, if that's the word, as you expand. Mm. Um, you can do it yeah. for sure. Uh, the challenge is you got 24 hours a day, yeah. you know, plus a wife and, and plus a life. Uh, and it's difficult to, to maintain that. So it's going to be fun to watch you navigate that. And, and that's a great problem to have as you grow. But your your customers, as you know, are what's going to grow you, mm-hmm. and they're going to grow you uh, based on what your guys are delivering in the field. Exactly, and you know that's why that culture is so doggone important is because when when the guys are on the roof or you know wherever they are, they're being watched and they're being listened to, uh, whether they know it or not, because of all the savviness that I guess our world has technology wise and people listen to the, the not necessarily the words Mm, because technicians on the roof can be rather vulgar at times, but um, the sentiment, you know, what, what are they doing on behalf of that customer um, is really important because, and I say this almost every week, you know, we're all consumers and we know what feels good. And like tomorrow, I'm having my driveway widened. And it, it's so weird that within the first 15 minutes of that project beginning, you're going to get a feel for how it's going to flow. Mm-hmm. You know, when they pull up and they're they're jazzed about being here and it's a little bitty job, it's a nothing job, but it's a big deal to me because I only have one driveway, you know, I kind of want it to be right. Yeah. But you, you, you get a sense of the company very quickly. It's like that first impression, you know, they say you got seven and a half seconds or whatever it is to make that first impression. When you meet someone, mm-hmm. I, I feel it, it may be a little bit longer of a time frame, but you still get a very quick snapshot at how the relationship or the project or whatever is going to go based on that initial little blurb. And it could be something as minute as what do they pull up here in and what are the, are they, are they dragging a wore out Bobcat that, mm. you know, pulling it with an 88 Delta 88, you know, or do they look professional? Do I do I feel good about the money I'm spending? Mm-hmm. You know, all of those buying things, uh, purchase indicators, they, they start triggering when when you're in that environment. Your customers are no different. No. You know, they, they see your guys up on the roof, you're replacing a heat exchanger. Uh, your guys are up there working. 
the return air is wide open. Somebody could stand right there and look up at the unit and hear everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? Is the unit a piece of junk? They should have just replaced the whole unit or, you know, the sentiment is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Oh, well, the sentiment, I think the majority of my guys, um, basically all know that we've, you know, we're so ingrained with our customers and we know everybody that's working on site, you know, their friends or, you know, they know the person they're getting the keys from, they're jazzed up, they bring each other Red Bulls. Um, just yesterday they were doing an exhaust fan and everybody else was busy, um, probably hour away. And so my one guy that was there framing in this exhaust fan needed help lifting up the exhaust fan. And so, of course, his best friend that works on the job site helped him out. And they sent me a video laughing and giggling, playing their uh, banda music up on the roof. And so, you know, I don't worry too much about that. You know, I hired the right people. And I hired for these reasons. The technical stuff, I can teach them. I can send them to a class. I hired them because I can let them run around with the company gas card and credit card and not have to look at my statement and be like, where was this done? Where was this done? They're good quality people, right? Um, There is a book. I wanted to bring it up, but there is a famous quote or a quote that me to me that stood out is that we're doing the right work with the right people, right? So we're doing the right work with the right people. And that's paraphrasing. It's obviously longer. That sounds like Jim Collins get the right people on the bus. I don't know. I have it in my notes. I was trying to write it all down before. We got Tyler's here. bus driver, so who knows? That's probably it. It's true. But, you know, I, I think that, that your your point of hiring for attitude, training for skill, you know, I've heard that said many times. It all comes down to, you know, you, you, can, you can train anybody that's relatively intelligent to, to do a task, but you can't teach a good task doer to be a good person unless they want to be exactly you know it's like it's like a diamond you know you could you you got to have something to start with in order to start polishing you can't polish a piece of granite into a piece of uh, diamond Mm. but if there's something innate within that you can tap into but they have to be a willing participant that's the other thing you know a lot of people have such God, and and I'm sure we've all known people like this that were so skilled or so smart or or so whatever, but they 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 wouldn't participate in their own rescue. You know, they they wanted to be um, in a, a misfit. You know, that's just what they wanted to be. Yep. And um, if you get that, you got that. You know, so you can't you can't really solve it. So, all right, well. Did you find it? I did. It's fear. It's fierce conversations by Susan Scott. Oh, cool. And when I did the next star training, I actually, the speaker was telling me about this book. And so I got that book and I read it and it's a phenomenal book, phenomenal book. I strongly recommend it. And I do books on audio and somebody challenged me to 52 books in a year. Listen to 52 books. That's a book a week. And I was listening to a lot of music or YouTube or Netflix at the time. 
and I was eating up all this valuable time with trash and mm. garbage in, garbage out. And so I've tried to change those particular things in my life to put good things in so good things come out, you know, because self-will runs riot. All right. So are you on your 20th book of the year? So I am. Let me pull up. I think I'm actually a little bit farther because I've been. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive, Tyler. That's that's like your level education. Yo, I wish. I'm trying I to wish. find how you do it. All right. That's so, awesome, though. But, you know, that's a really good, I guess, a point you make there, Corey. We we tend to, and I find this with people all the time, often, um, you say, hey, did you have a chance to read X, Y, or Z? No, I didn't have time. No, I didn't have time. It, but then you say, well, hey, who won American Idol last week? And they can tell you. So, it's a matter of prioritizing your 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 desires or your your need, because um, I, I I'm the same way, man. I I will catch myself and I'm like, what are you doing this for? Why are you watching this or listening to this when you got a, a nice juicy book right here that you're really enjoying reading? So Corey, that. What you're doing is really cool. I, I love the culture. I love the people aspect. I love how you how you thought through what you want to do. How are you going to do it? What's the next step? What is like that? Okay, when you when I get up tomorrow morning, bam! Here here is my next step in in going to the next whatever level portion, whatever you want to call the next. Yeah. Um. That's hard. Gave him a good yeah. one, yeah. Tyler. You came, you came back strong. I could tell you what I would like to happen, but strategically, it's just about finding the right people for the right seats. And my vision has got us so far, and what I know is I'm a wartime leader, right? Is If the world's on fire, I want to be leading when it's calm and green, right? When it's calm and it's green and there's money in the bank. Like you said, I want to jump off the bridge. <laughs> and yeah. so I feel I've gotten the company to as far as I can get it. You know, my gotcha. input will be valuable, but there's somebody else there that knows where to go from here. Gotcha. Well, I look forward to watching that develop. I think that, um, you know, it's so cool that you're you're so young, but yet you're seasoned enough to realize where you're at in the journey. And a, a lot of people never get there, you know, because we're such egotistical animals that it's hard for us to be able to say, uh, or for many of us to be able to say, you know, I, I'm not that guy or that girl from this point forward. Mm. You know, like you said, you're, you're good out of the gate. I can carry us up to X, but we need Y and then we're going to need Z. You know, there's not a single handoff. If you think about the, I love to watch uh, relay racing in the Olympics, the way that they hand the baton off without missing a stride. You know, I think about business leadership so often the baton gets fun fumbled because the two runners being the two leaders were not in sync. And it's so important, even down to what you're doing with your, your uh, new hires, 
doing the ride along program to understand the culture of the company. That's a hell of a financial investment. Mm -hmm. I know it is. I I know that having unproductive labor (laughs) in the passenger seat is expensive. But can I bring one thing? Yeah, please jump in. So I'm the company is not perfect. We make mistakes. And I think it's very important for people to point that out. Um, When you talked about unproductive labor, talk about our guys last week that installed the downward or downflow air handler upside down. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's what comes to mind. And that's our culture is the next day I made sure to text them and they're putting in that exhaust fan. And I said, Hey, just don't install it upside down. That that's the culture, you know, the camaraderie, like what brings it in. And then I text back too soon. Question mark. When you can bust balls with each other over an error and, and know that we all learn from it, that that's a healthy person, a, a healthy company personality. Yeah, because we've all done it. I mean, God knows how many things we screwed up. If I were to have to tabulate the money of other people that I've wasted because of being young and naive, I would probably be bankrupt right now. But having that ability, like you said, to to reach out and pop them upside the head in a nice way is fun. You know, that makes going to work worthwhile. And that's what people miss. It's all about... um, People being happy at work. And and I know that sounds like, you know, granola and cornflakes crap, but you really do have to be happy at work because if you're not, it just makes everything yeah. not good. Your your home life suffers, your commute suffers, you're talking short to people that don't deserve it. You know, it it's it just snowballs. We've all we've all been there. Oh yeah. And you know, for one thing that I had learned is I was comp- I, every company that I worked at, I was kept on the outside of the books, right? I was expected to be the installer, the service guy and make the money, but I don't know what the money is, what it actually costs to be in business. And so we do a quarterly meeting where we sit down and I show them all the financials, right? The guys get to see what it costs, what their KPIs are per job. And it's not perfect, right? It's me on an Excel spreadsheet and my office lady that kicks butt. But we're we're just building these things out. And I get to show them, hey, look, that third time you had to go to the part house and pick that up, this is what it actually costs. That $6 a gallon at 55 miles and then plus labor, insurance. And you guys get paid every week, which costs me $8,000 in labor each week. That's my overhead for labor, 8000 bucks per week with workers comp, everything. And so I get to show them, break that down. And I go, look, this is what we're trying to achieve. This is how we can achieve it. You know, and my guys now, we have a storage unit that if we have any extra from jobs, it goes back to the storage unit. And then my guy, Martin, uh, he's an older gentleman. Um, I think he's about 44. um, (laughs) Older. I love it. (laughs) You know, well, you know, I don't know how else to say it. Tyler's age almost. (laughs) But, um, he he's in charge of that, right? He's in charge of finding what needs to go back. And what we looked at and what I heard, and I heard this from a podcast, uh, not trying to shout out any other names, but it was another podcast. And they were talking. Feel free, man. We want to advertise. for. Okay. Everybody. So it's, it's toolbox for the trades by service Titan that's put on. And 
they had this guy on there. He's from Savannah, Georgia, and he was talking about this stuff and the KPIs and all that. And I was driving and it hit me. I go, you know what? This is how I can be different and not different from everybody else, but different in a way that I didn't have it as a technician going up. And now my guys, it's not about the bottom line. It's just about being successful to the nth degree, right? And Martine handles the go backs, make sure everything's go taken back. Austin's in charge of making sure parts are ordered from what suppliers, you know, then I have my guy, Thomas, that's the thinker and he's really strong at what he does. He's in charge of, you know, conducting, you know, building permits and these kinds of things. And I've empowered, and I hate saying my employees, like I empowered my team members right? Because at the end of the day, we're all a team. We're either going to all win or we're going to all lose. But remember, it's okay to be the boss because there's always a boss. And okay. and, and I'm telling you, I'm a 58-year-old guy almost, and I love having a boss again because I didn't have a boss for a long time. And it's healthy to have a boss because that helps us with accountability. It helps us know that when the, when the poop is in the fan, where to go. Yeah. And it's okay to say you're the boss because they do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's for sure. They'll, they'll make yeah. sure to point out. I mean, I, I understand the humility. I get it. I, I love your humility. But, you know, you are El Jefe to them. And um, it, it is what it is. So we can call it all kinds of stuff, but you're the boss. Okay. Boss. But my guys are in the right position and they know where we're trying to achieve, like what we're trying to achieve. What you're building Corey, is efficiency because you're thinking through processes and processes drive efficiency because, you know, and and you can cliche, you know, this thing to death. But if you if you uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail, you know, all that stuff is so true. You know, those cliches didn't just happen. They're there for a reason. Yeah. Um, but you're you're doing you're doing good stuff. And and I know we're getting up on our hour and we got to go and all that good stuff. But I love what you're doing. Uh, I love hearing about it. It's energizing to see a young person, you know, because I'm for your generation. I want you guys to do well. I want you to build some really great companies and serve well. And it's fun for me to watch, you know, the whole thing develop. So. Greg, I have to say this before we end, the power of mentorship, right? And I remember where I was exactly when I DM'd you on LinkedIn and where I was in my life, you know? And I think of myself as like a vibrating cell phone when I call you. I'm all over the place, I'm shaky, and I call you for words of wisdom. And I get that every time. And that's can only, for me, come from mentorship. And the guys that have done this and been there. And I wouldn't be where I'm at today without those people in my life. You know, I didn't do this on my own. And I don't ever want to make any exceptions or people think I did. But because I have powerful people in my life, I'm able to do this today. Well, I I appreciate that. And I think that most people who uh, have done well are not self-made. They're community-made. You know, it's the village. And um, I appreciate hearing that, but always, always uh, look forward to talking to you. And um, 
it's been such a blast to, to kind of get it all condensed a little bit because most of our conversations are seven minutes when you're on the roof somewhere or driving somewhere <laughs> in an airport. So it's always fun. But um, Well, Tyler, lo and behold, through two internet outages, we made it. Yeah, we did it. We made it. It's Yay. a testament to perseverance and uh, to uh, excellent audio editors in the future. Uh, but Corey, thanks again for joining us here on Straight Outta Compton. We appreciate it, man. Nate, no problem. Hey, you have a great rest of the day, brother. Thanks. You too, man. Everyone out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Straight Outta Compton. Stay tuned for more episodes of the show. But for this one, for Corey Howell and Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah.